Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. I fly a lot. I'm what is known as a frequently fearful flyer, especially small planes. Lee and I are flying somewhere, I think in Alaska, and we walked up the counter and they said, how much do you weigh? And that's a good sign right there that you may be in, in trouble. I used to sit in the back of airplanes because you never pick up a newspaper read where an airplane backed into a mountain. But now I want to sit near the black box because that's the only thing that survives usually, so I want to try to find that, that black box. But you know, it's amazing what the flight attendants say on those airplanes. They say things like, we cannot land until your tray is up and in the locked position. Think about that. How many times have you read when an airplane crashed, fell 30,000 feet, 120 people died because the tray was not up and in its locked position? But here's what really gets me. Here's the one that really gets me. They say, in the unlikely event that we lose cabin pressure, take the oxygen mask, put it on your face, and then breathe normally. Who could do that? I mean, if that ever happens, I'm sucking all the oxygen I can get, right? You know, I'm trying to... But here's what I hear most often. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I got news for you. Life is a bumpy ride. But I got better news. The bumps are what we climb on. It's how we grow. It's what usually brings us the good things in life. I don't know of anything that causes people to stumble in their faith anymore than bumps and bruises and burns, pain and suffering, adversity, difficulties, problems, predicaments, because we have this major myth that good Christians ought to be immune to problems. That good Christians ought to have a life that's smooth and trouble-free. But let me tell you, that's not how it is. Imagine a baseball game, and the good guy hits in left field, and you can tell it's about five feet, foul. But then all of a sudden, the line bends outward, and the ball is spare. A little later, one of the bad guys gets up, and he hits a ball so hard and so long, it's an obvious home run, except the back wall recedes, and it falls in the field, and it's caught. We wouldn't want to live in a world like that, but secretly, we want God to do that for us. God, would you just bend the line for me? Would you just move it out for me? Would you recede the wall for, just for my family? Would you keep me free from heartache, from problems? Would you keep my children safe just for us? But that's not reality. What if Christians never got sick? What if family members of Christians never died? What if the children of Christians never went wild? What if the businesses of Christians always had tremendous success? I'll tell you what would happen. Everybody in Louisiana would become a Christian because of the immediate payoff. But that would destroy faith and that would destroy character. Let me ask you about your life up till now. Has it been a little bumpy and rocky or has it been soft and smooth? A little boy was leading his sister up the mountain and the sister said, this is no path. This is full of rocks and bumps. The little brother said, the bumps are what you climb on. 
And that's a biblical principle. You see, bumps are inevitable. Every road in life has bumps. And by the way, most of them have potholes and ditches. That's reality. My favorite psalm is Psalm 23. And there's a phrase in that psalm that says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Literally, that means wagon tracks. He holds my life in the wagon tracks of righteousness, in the ruts. Some of us grew up in the country and we remember the ruts. And the object was to stay in the ruts. But are there bumps in the ruts? Oh, many bumps. God never promises to take away the bumps. Only to give a holy shock absorber so you can handle it. But the bumps are there. I've never known in my entire life a successful person whose life has been free of bumps, of problems, of ups and downs. True in the Bible. Moses, Joseph, David, Daniel, Paul. Read their lives. You'll see the bumps and the bruises, the problems, the difficulties, the sickness, the heartache, the hurt, the pain. But you'll also see that they accepted this as a part of life and they climbed on the rocks, the bumps, and they turned the stones into stepping stones. They turned the bumps into blessings. And that's what God wants from us. Because you see, in life you will have bumps. People fail and people fall. Accidents happen. Sickness comes. Relationships turn sour. In fact, I was reading about Americans in an average year They'll have close to 150,000 accidents just putting on their clothes. And they listed several things. One woman dislocated a shoulder putting on a T-shirt. Another lady slipping into a night, fell and broke her nose. A lady caught a sweater on an earring and pulled it through her earlobe. But then I could identify with this one. Several people were pulling on their socks and hit their eyes. <laughs> so if you want a trouble-free life, you can't even get out of bed and get dressed. Second Chronicles chapter 32. After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. A large force of men assembled, and they blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? Then he worked hard repairing all the broken sections on the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Now listen to this encouragement. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Now that's an interesting story. And that first verse tells us after what Hezekiah faithfully did, after these things came Sennacherib. And you have to go back to the previous chapter to discover what those things were. There was a great religious reform, a reformation, a revival that had taken place and had lasted for a decade. Judah had had several bad kings. Ahaz was one of the wickedest kings of all Judah. 
brought adultery and idolatry and took the people on a downward slide until they hit bottom morally and spiritually. But then Hezekiah came to the throne as a very young man. He was the young son of King Ahaz. Opposite from his father, he was a godly young man. Very charismatic, attractive, very sensitive. Sensitive to what God wanted his people to be about. And he opened the temple and cleansed it and and made it ready for use again and started using the temple of God. And then he reestablished the observance of Passover. And then he put the Word of God back in the central place and had the priest teaching the Word of God, bringing the people back to God's Word. No wonder when you get back to the church of God and to the Word of God and back focusing on God, then revival broke out. And there was a religious reformation and revival. But notice, in the midst of all of that, the people were at last back with God, and they were praying to God, talking to God, praising God, worshiping God, working for God, and then Sennacherib comes. I just want to be honest with you and tell you that when you're trying to do your best for God, that's when Sennacherib usually comes. Be ready for it. You say, God, I'm tithing. I'm trying to tithe for the first time. God, I'm trying to be faithful. And why this? Why now? When in the midst of your doing your best for God, trying to be faithful to God, Sennacherib comes. Oh, there could be many reasons. We may never know the reason why. Sometimes it's because we've broken the laws, the laws of gravity and other laws, the law of physics, accidents, the laws of God, consequences. Sometimes God has nothing to do with it. We bring it on ourselves. Sometimes it's the devil. But Sennacherib comes. Who is Sennacherib? He was the king of Assyria, and he was coming against, he decided to conquer the civilized world, and he took city after city in Judah, and he plundered those cities, and he murdered women and babies, and he took the men captive. And then he sends a word to Hezekiah, we're coming for Jerusalem. And then Hezekiah got his people together and said, let's take courage. Our strength is in God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because there's a greater power with us The only thing that Sennacherib has is what man can do. We don't have to fear what man can do to us, the arm of the flesh. And if you read the rest of that story, God spared Jerusalem. Remember the angel came and slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, and they fled in fear. And Sennacherib had to go back in disgrace, and his own family murdered him. But what I'm talking to you about is the fact that bumps, are coming into your life on a fairly consistent basis. Just when you think things are going so well, that's when Sennacherib comes. And God never promises to remove the stones. He only promises to help us turn them into stepping stones, that we can climb on the bumps. Psalm 91, verse 11, there's a great promise. It says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard. Remember, angels guard, guide, and go with God's people to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He doesn't promise to move the stones. He promises that he will help you use them as stepping stones, that the bumps are what you climb on. And the principle is that we climb higher in life because of our difficulties. Eagles soar higher in the storms than they do in weather without storms. So let me say some things about the bumps of life. Number one, expect bumps. 1 Peter 4.12, 
Peter says, think it not strange. Do not be surprised that bumps come into your life, that problems, that difficulties, that trials come into your life. Don't be surprised. Life is a bumpy road. Jesus said, in this life, you will have bumps, tribulations. When I use the word bumps, I'm talking about troubles, trials, tribulations, difficulties, disappointments, mistakes, you name it. In fact, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's against the law not to have bumps in life. It's against the law of gravity. You see, people fall off buildings. People fall out of cars. People fall down on the ground and get hurt. And we don't want to live in a world where there's not the law of gravity, and yet that law says there are going to be bumps when that law is violated. The law of physics, we don't want to take away the law of physics, and yet we don't want to have car crashes. But as long as that law prevails, the law of momentum, we're going to have car accidents. The law of sin. We sow to the, to the flesh, we reap corruption. The law of choice. We make certain choices, we have certain consequences. Make good choices, have good consequences. Make bad choices, have bad consequences. The law says life is bumpy. It's always been bumpy. It always will be bumpy. No exceptions. Oh, you say, if somehow I could get close enough to God, I would not have any more problems. <laughs> you may have more problems, but God will use every one of them for your good and His glory if you'll receive them from Him. The man by the name of Hal Boone, who was one of our finest missionaries in Africa, he was leading a powerful and effective work in Kenya. One night he was driving from Nairobi to Mombasa and he was tired, it was late at night and he let his 16-year-old son drive and he got in the back seat and went to sleep and they had a terrible accident. Hal Boone was paralyzed from his waist down. It would be that way the rest of his life. He had to leave Africa and he's back in Texas. God does not promise to prevent us from problems, to stop accidents from happening. To stop the law that when we make choices, we get the consequences of those choices. He doesn't stop the law of gravity. He doesn't stop the law of physics. He doesn't stop the law of choices unless he chooses to. Sometimes he does. But you don't count on that. You see, those cities on Sennacherib's way to Jerusalem, he took city after city and he murdered women and babies and God never stopped him. But then in Jerusalem, God stopped him and sent an angel to take care of his soldiers and they ran in fear. God just wants to keep reminding us that he can do anything, but he will always do what's best for his people. Bumps are inevitable. Bumps are in God's permissive will, not to defeat us, but to develop us. Not to burn us, but to bless us. Not to hurt us, but to help us. But bumps are in God's permissive will. Second thing about bumps is that they are powerful. They seldom will be neutral in your life. When bumps come, they're going to change you for the good or for the worse. They're the greatest means of maturing us or they're the greatest means of discouraging us. They will usually make us better or they will make us bitter, but they will not be neutral. They're powerful. The third thing, the key is how we respond to bumps. You see, the important thing is not the source of the bumps, but our response to the bumps. It doesn't really matter what happens, it's how we respond to what happens. It's not the events in life that make us what we are, it's our response to those events. It's not what happens to us. 
It's how we respond to what happens to us. While I'm in the neighborhood, since you brought it up, let me give you some ways that people respond to the bumps in their lives. Number one is to run. You get on hard times, you get in trouble, something happens, and you try to escape. Maybe you try to escape through drugs, through alcohol. Some of you tried that. Maybe you fantasize, denial. Some stay in bed, watch television, refuse to deal with a situation. Some plunge into work. Some seek relationships. Running. A second way people deal with the bumps is to resist. Become resentful, sulk, blame, become bitter. See life through resentful eyes because of something that's happened, some bump in the road that you've hit. And rather than taking responsibility, rather than trying to work through it and climbing on the bump, using it as a stepping stone, you've chosen to blame other people. Sometimes you blame God, sometimes you blame the church, sometimes you blame your own family. We live in a culture that wants to blame. Kid came home from school with a black eye and his mother says, what happened? That it all started when he hit me back. It's the way we are. It's somebody else's fault. And then retaliate. Some people handle bumps by wanting to get back. They want somebody to pay. This has happened to me and somebody's going to pay. Take it out on somebody. And unfortunately, people who do this, who retaliate, usually take it out on those closest to them, their own families. Oh, you know the classic story. The boss lets the man have it at work and the man just bottles it up inside because he won't go back at the boss and then he gets home and he takes it out on his wife, just explodes at her. The wife goes and takes it out on the kids. The kids go out in the yard and beat the daylights out of the dog. The dog chases the cat. And then the cat chases the rat and gets that rat and the rat sinking. What happened? What caused all this? It's a cycle. Because we're trying to retaliate. We're trying to, to get back. We're trying to blame somebody else. The fourth thing is regurgitate. We seek relief by spitting up the junk in our lives on other people. You know people like that. I mean, something's happened, and instead of dealing with it, instead of moving on with their life, instead of using the bumps to climb on, they just go over it and over it and over it in their minds, and everybody that comes into contact with them, they tell it to you, and they tell you all the details. In fact, these are the people that if you ask them, how are you doing, they will tell you. I mean, they'll just spit up on you. Then there are those who resign, who just give up. The melancholy is who just, who just say, it's never going to get any better. It's this way. It's always been bad. It always will be bad. I don't stand a chance. I'm going to have my pity party, go out in the garden, eat worms. It's, it'll never be any better. Resignation. But then there's a sixth way. Receive. Receive what happens in your life that it has happened. Nothing can change the fact that it's happened. And that whatever has happened, it's not what happened that changes your life. It's how you respond to what's happened. So receive what's happened, that it's the law. Maybe it's the law of gravity that got you. The law of physics. The law of choice, of consequences. The law of sin. Violating the laws of God. So it's law. Receive it. But it's also love. Because everything that happens in your life comes to you in the permissive will of God and it comes gift wrapped in his love I want you to listen carefully to me God loves you just the way you are isn't that wonderful 
But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. God loves you too much to let you have a problem-free life. He won't do it. And so when things come into your life, receive them. It's law, it's love, it's life. And know that you have some resources, some promises. You have trouble, grace. God says when you have trouble, he'll give you the grace to handle the trouble. You can count on it. Trouble, good. God says that regardless of the trouble that comes into your life, that he can work good out of any of it and all of it. God doesn't say it's good. What's happened to you may not be good at all. Maybe someone has done something to you, sinned against you. God can take that whatever has happened in your life and turn it and twist it and use it for your good and for his glory. You have trouble grace, you have trouble good, and you have trouble growth. In everything that happens, God wants to grow you up and to use it in your life for your good and for His glory. Now I want to give you some good things about bumps. Remember, the bumps are what we climb on. Let me give you some good things about bumps. Number one, bumps draw us closer to God. Think about it. Some of you would not even be in this service this morning had not the bottom fallen out of your life. And one day, if not already, you'll look back and say, I thank God the bottom fell out of my life. Because as a result of that, I found Jesus. I found the church. I found Christian friends. I found trouble grace, trouble good, trouble growth. Wow. You see, when you look back over your life, I promise you it's the bumps in life that produces the good things in your life. It makes you what you are if you're godly. You see, most of us could not never handle constant success. And many people will never do business with God until they come to a desperate moment when the bottom falls out of our life, when we get that telephone call, when we hear that conversation, when we hear those words from a doctor, then all of a sudden we throw ourselves into the arms of God. The beautiful thing is that God is waiting for you and he walks with you. But now let me tell you something, you can't con God. You see, some people treat God as a fire department and they only call on Him when they need Him. And say, God, get me out of this mess. God is not obligated to do that. In fact, He loves you too much to do that. Two sailors were shipwrecked and they were floating out on a raft and after several days, one became desperate and he bowed his head and he said, Dear God, I have wasted my whole life. I've drunk too much liquor. I've lied. I've cheated. I've done so many things I'm ashamed of. But God, if you will rescue me, if you will save me, I promise you, and about that time as the guy on the raft with him said, wait a minute, don't say another word. I think I've spotted land. That's how a lot of people treat God. So just because you have problems, if you just ask God to help you out of a tough spot and God knows you're not going to give Him the credit or the praise and you're not going to honor Him with what's happened, God will not be sucked into that. You can't trap God. You can't con God. But what God wants to happen is that every bump draws us closer to Him. And to know that, you, that whatever has happened, you have a loving Heavenly Father who is waiting to hear you, to hug you, to help you, to heal you. When you look back over your life, it makes sense. You see how God used the bumps to get you where He wanted to get you and to do in your life what He wanted to do. There's a wonderful song back in the 50s or 60s Andre Crouch. It was called Through It All. 
He said, I thank God for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms that He brought me through. If I had never had a problem, I wouldn't have known that He could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do through it all. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Secondly, bumps make us compassionate. You see, by nature, we're not very compassionate. We're not very sympathetic. In fact, we're unusually selfish. But somehow, bumps cause us to identify with one another. You see, something may happen in somebody's life, and you may even be critical about that person, how they responded, because you haven't been through anything like that. But when you've been through something like that, you look at that situation entirely differently. You have compassion. My friend Rick Warren passes over in Southern California, the largest church in the Southern Baptist Convention. We were together recently, and we were talking about hiring staff, and he said, I never hire a staff member who hasn't been hurt deeply. Because until you've been hurt deeply, you don't have the compassion you need for ministry. It's a great truth. So the bumps make us compassionate. Where did Paul get the ink to write those wonderful epistles to comfort us and to help you and me through difficult times? He got it in those shipwrecks and those beatings and imprisonment and troubles and trials and difficulties. Where did David get the ink to write those psalms through trouble? through the bumps. Thirdly, bumps help us become Christ-like. You see, to be like Christ, we have to be put through the valley of the shadow. We have to identify with His suffering. It was a bumpy road for Jesus Christ, and if we're to be like Christ, there's no way to get there unless we take the bumpy road. But Jesus says the bumps are what we climb on. Because you see, the biggest bump on the road for Christ was the cross, and the world said... There he is. He's a failure. He's defeated. And what looked like a failure and defeat was the greatest victory in the history of the world. The bumps are what we climb on. And then bumps motivate us. You know, if it were not for problems, some people wouldn't do a whole lot. Some of you wouldn't be worth much if you hadn't had some problems. Willis Shoemaker said it this way, it's hard to get out of bed when you're wearing silk pajamas. I mean, when life is great, when everything is wonderful. So we need the bumps in life to jumpstart us and to motivate us. And then bumps mature us. The way we grow through adversity, working through problems, climbing over bumps. That's how God puts steel in our souls. Charlie Brown was complaining about losing all his ball games and Lucy said, Ah, oh, Charlie Brown, don't you know you learn more from defeats than from victories? Charlie Brown says, Then that makes me the smartest guy in the world. And maybe some of you feel that way. But bumps mature us. The scientist was watching a butterfly emerge from a cocoon. And he saw that, that butterfly struggling, trying its best to work free of that cocoon. And he thought, If I could just help that butterfly escape that cocoon, thought about how beautiful butterflies are and to see them fly. He thought, I've just got to help that butterfly. It's, it's pulling, it's struggling, it's tearing, it's trying to get free, but it can't. If I could just snip the top of that cocoon, and, and he got some scissors, and he cut off the top part of that cocoon. The butterfly kept struggling and struggling and struggling, 
And then when the butterfly did get its way out of that cocoon, it couldn't fly. It fell on the table and died. And that scientist said, I killed that butterfly by making it easy for it. Because he was trying to help that butterfly escape, and yet that was the last thing that butterfly needed because it was in the struggling against that cocoon, working its way out of that cocoon, that forced strength into those wings that would one day enable that butterfly to fly. But only when that struggle was entirely finished. God loves you and me too much to take us out of the struggle before He's entirely finished. He wants to tell you and me that the bumps are what we climb on and that we can receive it as a part of life. It's the law. It's the law of gravity. It's the law of physics. It's the law of God, the law of sin, the law of choice. It's in God's permissive will, but it comes gift-wrapped in His love. And what God wants is for us to turn stones into stepping stones, bumps into blessings. And realize that in everything that happens, God is talking to us and teaching us and training us and maturing us. And we're never alone in the process. And we will make it. That's a promise. There's one stone you can't climb over. And that's the stone of personal sin. You see, there's some people in life that think, well, you know, somehow I'll just climb and I'll struggle and I'll work my way to heaven. You can't do it. There's the stone of personal sin. Sin can never enter heaven. And the only one who can forgive you of your sins is Jesus Christ. And He offers you the gift of eternal life. From the cross, He says, I love you. I'm dying for you on this cross. I'm paying your sin debt. I offer you the gift of salvation and eternal life. If you'll just invite Jesus Christ into your heart and life as your Lord and Savior, He'll come in and change you inwardly. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 